On this week's episode of the Ty Keats Rolling Podcast, Mason, Hunter, and Clay talk about the Alabama products of the NFL Combine. Then, the crew talked about the magnitude of playing Auburn for the SEC regular season title. The Tide Keeps Rolling on the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tide Keeps Rolling Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Smith, alongside Clay Miller and Hunter DeCyber. Guys, it is NFL Combine Week. It is finally here with over a dozen Alabama Crimson Tide prospects supposed to participate. It was a lot of excitement, at least going into the week. But, of course, Hunter, there is one player in particular who won't be participating at least fully, and that is quarterback Bryce Young. Bryce Young has, it has been known that he will not throw out the combine. He will get measured. He will interview, but he just will not throw. He will instead throw out the pro day. So I know we talked about that a little bit more with the extra with the extra point earlier uh, Tuesday, Hunter, but what exactly does that mean with, with Bryce Young not throwing? Yeah, so the way I look at it is like we've had dozens and dozens of um top five picks over the years not participate in the combine, and it really hasn't affected their draft stock. Bryce Young, I, I think, will be the same. I mean, there's obviously a few other quarterbacks like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and Bryce and um CJ Stroud. Um, they will be participating. They are also um high first round picks potentially, but I don't think um this will affect um Young's draft stock very much at all. I don't think so either, honestly. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think it will affect it either. I mean, at the end of the day, Bryce Young's one of the best throwers in the class. I think everybody raves about his ability as a quarterback. It's literally just about the height, Clay. I think that's the main thing that people want to see. And with since he is getting measured, we'll have that answer soon enough. But I don't think it's going to be that much of a deal either he's not throwing. I think it's actually really smart not to throw at the combine. Um, we've seen this in the last several draft cycles. With We're the number one quarterback. If you're kind of building that height, there's really no incentive to throw at the combine. We, Joe Burrow didn't do it. Trevor Lawrence didn't do it. They all throw at their own pro days. And let's be honest, the, the combine's kind of dubbed the underwear Olympics. That's not really what Bryce Young is going to perform best at, right? You turn on the tape and you see what Bryce Young does as a quarterback. He's not the Anthony Richardson. And he's not the Justin Herberts of the world. All his stuff, you can go watch it on tape. And so to me, it's it's a smart decision not to throw because he's his hype is heading towards the top pick. And to me, he could really only hurt his draft stock by throwing, not help it. We already know how great of a quarterback it, he is. So I actually think it's probably a better decision not to throw at the combine. I have never heard the term underwear Olympics ever. Oh my You've never goodness. heard that term? That's no. That's, but that's, that's actually very fitting, considering what the guys have to wear at the combine. Oh, my gosh. The, the spandex shorts. You know, muscle shirts. I know offensive linemen are just, you know, crying on the inside having to wear that stuff. But, Clay, as much as I think it's not an issue, there was one small sentiment about Bryce Young not throwing that does kind of, I won't say concern, I'll say raise an eyebrow. C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson are all participating. Them three, alongside Bryce Young, are the top four quarterbacks that can go in on virtually any order in the NFL draft in the first round. I do think it is a eyebrow-raising moment that the other three quarterbacks that are considered to be top prospects are throwing, and Bryce Young is not. I'm not saying it's going to just, you know, be like, oh, he's not throwing. What? I think it does kind of raise the question, well, you know, why? Like, if, if C.J. Stroud is undoubtedly, you know, either one or two, depending on who you talk to, if Anthony Richardson is, like, so talented as a quarterback athletically and people believe in his arm strength, why, why can't Bryce Young throw if the other three guys can throw? I just think the combine is such a hard thing to evaluate because we've seen people have really good combine performances and then bust in the NFL and we then vice versa. And like I said, I think it's more 
the combine doesn't set up to accentuate Bryce Young's strengths. I mean, to me, he doesn't need to go out there and sling balls 50 yards downfield and hit wide receivers on target. That's not real quarterbacking. Some of these guys that's really going to help, let's say Anthony Richardson goes out there and hits receiver after receiver, then that kind of helps what we already know about him athletically. And so I think that's more of Bryce Young's thought. Now, I don't really know if he's, you know, there's more behind it than that. But it, like you said, it is interesting, those other guys. But to me, those other guys are trying to catch Bryce Young, too. They're trying to catch him in the draft process. He's he's kind of the number one coming in. No, Okay, I, I can get with that. It's definitely fine. At, at the end of the day, Bryce Young, it's his decision. You know, he'll throw out the pro day if people really want to see him throw. So there's still that. But kind of moving on from him, there's still 12 other guys that are participating in the NFL Combine, I think that's going to be a big deal. Jameer Gibbs, Kamala Two, Jordan Battle. Like it's just a, it's a whole host of guys. Uh, Brian Branch is another guy who's a really high projected safety pick. So at the end of the day, Hunter, the question is simple: Who else besides Bryce and Will? If you want to say Will, that's fine. Who else are we excited to see at the Combine? So yeah, like like you said, we um we all obviously see uh, Will Anderson, Jameer Gibbs, Brian Branch. Those are like the obvious guys. But then I really like Henry Toa Toa, who's probably gonna go in the second round, somewhere in that area, maybe late first, early second. I'm not really sure. But um, I really think drills like the twenty yard shuttle and the three cone drill really impact like what like people look like in middle linebackers, which is lateral quickness and being able to cover like their zone with obviously not a receiver in there as so they're just running a drill. But, yeah, I definitely think Henry Tooto is something, someone to really look at as he has been one of the best tacklers, if not the best tackler on the um, football team for the last couple of years. Okay. I, I can definitely get with that. And just to make sure our fans at, um, at home know, the full list of Alabama prospects that, are just, that got invited to the Combine, Will Anderson, Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, DJ Dale, Emil Echior, Jameer Gibbs, DeMarco Hellams, Kamla Two, Eli Ricks, which I don't think he should have did, but that's neither here nor there. Tyler Steen, Henry Toto, Bryce Young, and Byron Young. Don't get those last two mixed up. Clay, same question to you. Who are you most excited to see at the Combine? Well, before we recorded this episode, you asked us to kind of maybe ask some of our friends and, and people we knew who they were most excited to see. And the name that I kept getting fed was Jameer Gibbs. And that's because we kind of didn't really know who he was coming into this year at Alabama. We only got one year of him, but we saw kind of the Alvin Kamara type you know, skill set as a running back. And people, I think, are really excited to see if he runs like a 4-3, 4-2 uh, in the 40. Now, that would be, you know, 4-2s are, are really insane. But I do think we could see an extremely fast time. And especially when B. John Robinson is kind of getting all the hype at the running back position, if Jameer Gibbs comes in and tests really well, I think that would be a huge step for him getting drafted higher. To me, there's only a couple players that can really jump up into that first round. Like Toa Toa, we know what he is. The offensive lineman, defensive lineman, we know what they are. Brian Branch and Jameer Gibbs are the two guys. I think that if they have really good measurements and testing, we could see them elevate to like the upper half of the first round. Obviously, Gibbs is more of a fit for a team because it's, it's the running back position. But those are the two guys I'm really excited to see at the combine. Honestly, I'm, I agree with you very much so. I think Jameer Gibbs has a chance to really increase his draft stock. Because, you know, he's just an athletic freak. We, we, get, we got a chance to see that at Alabama. You know, he wasn't used as effectively as most would have liked. But at the end of the day, he still broke off a lot of big runs. Honestly, a couple a couple of names I'm interested to see is, uh, is Jordan Battle. Well, Jordan Battle is mainly because he used to play in the Senior Bowl, didn't participate, he backed out, you know, pretty late. And 
I think if I remember correctly, it's because of an injury. Now, don't quote me on that. I'm not. I'm trying to make sure I'm double checking my facts as we go. But I think it was because of like some kind of nagging injury he may have been dealing with. Now, if that's the case, it's going to be really important for him to put on a great show at the combine because they scouts want to know whatever injury it was. If it was an injury, is it still bothering him? Can he compete? You know, at the NFL level in terms of speed and strength and production. The defensive back position is getting very, very stacked. It's a lot of talent, you know, that's already in the league as young players and is coming in with this draft. So I think Jordan Battle is going to have a lot to prove in terms of his his ability to play. And if there is an injury that he can play through, that injury is, you know, healed, it's not an issue anymore. And then also with Eli Ricks, I, I would be lying if I said Eli Ricks should have declared for the draft. I understand he has a talent too, but last season didn't really show that. I really think he would have benefited from another year at Alabama, being able to be the guy, being another year in the system. And of course, he just, he elected to go to the NFL, which is you know his choice. You know that's no knock on him. But with what with what little he put on tape at Alabama, you know he had that one great game. I think against Mississippi State. I think other than that, you know he's he shows a lot of question marks. I think he's gonna have to really show some show some skills at, at the combine. I'm I'm not sure if anybody else you know yeah. had, had chip. Go ahead, go ahead, Clay. Well, the thing I'll say, it, we had a lot of like veteran defensive players this last season that stayed an extra year, um, going back to battle and Toa Toa and like Demarco Helms. And I, I'd be interested like to get both you and Hunter's take on this. To me, I don't know if the combine is going to be great for those players because athletically, that's not really where they they shown in college. Like Battle, Toa Toa, Helms, they're not super fast, not super long. They they play defense more with their head and and knowing where to be in the right spot. So that's kind of my concern at the combine is that if we're going off an athletic show, I, I'm not sure those three players are known necessarily for their speed and athleticism. No, that, that's completely fair. At the end of the day, you know, the combine, underwear Olympics. Yeah. I have never heard that term. Oh, my goodness. But the last guy we'll mention too, I, I we didn't mention Cameron Law too. Um, oh, yes. this this tight end draft class is is stacked. There there were four tight ends in Mel Copper's last uh first round draft that he just released. So it'll be interesting to see how Law Two compares to some of the other ones because this one is one that's full of potential like all pro guys in the next couple of years. No, I, I definitely agree. I think Cam Law Two, a lot of people think he can be a, a pro tight end. Like he can really, you know, catch the ball, block. He can do all the things that a tight end at the NFL level needs to do. But I think it would really benefit another good showing from him. Now, before we wrap it up, just so everybody remembers, we recorded this podcast on Tuesday. And of course, the combine actually starts today, February 28th, and it'll go through March 6th. Uh, I think the quarterback throws Saturday. I forgot. I don't have all the positions of days in front of me, but I remember the quarterbacks that throw Saturday, which is a whole big deal because of Bryce Young. So it's going to be an interesting show from Alabama, but also just a a good show from a lot of people. You got Travis Thomas Tomlinson. You got Johnston from TCU that plays well. You got a couple of players from HBCUs. You got Tank Bigsby from Auburn. I really want to see how Tank Bigsby does because, of course, he had a really rough time at Auburn, not because of him, but because of his team. But it's just a lot to look forward to in terms of the uh, in terms of the combine. So we'll have that coverage for you here at Bama Central. But to transition to the next topic, Alabama the chance to win. Alabama basketball specifically has a chance to win the SEC regular season championship against Auburn on Wednesday. Now, before we even get to that, of course, right after we recorded last week's episode, that's when all the controversy started about what NATO said during the press conference. You know, when it became more apparent how Miller was linked to the Darius Miles case. 
Hunter, Clay, both of you guys are students at UA. Both of you guys, you know, know where the strip is. That was, you know, where everything took place. You, you kind of see these things on a day-to-day basis. My simple question to either one of you guys is just what's the vibe? Like what is, what is kind of like the talk amongst students on campus regarding the situation? So something I noticed, um, and no one is necessarily talking about it like personally, but when um I go to the dining hall and they have like Sports Center or First Take or Undisputed on, almost every time they're talking about the NATO situation, and um I always see just people's eyes just gravitate towards the screen and wait to see what Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp have to say about it. Um, it's definitely kind of a downward spiral in terms of just like the overall mood with this whole thing the fact that Alabama is a top three team but they have all this controversy heading towards them but it doesn't seem to really impact their performance overall what about what about you Clay it's such a tough topic I mean obviously the last week has kind of been crazy and you you don't you don't want to be too hard one way or the other because it is a very sensitive subject and I think a lot of people at Alabama are trying to really take Brandon Miller's side because he's getting so much criticism from the outside and that's what's kind of been frustrating for me is is none nobody wanted this to happen right nobody wanted this situation to happen and you know Alabama has known about it for a month now and then for them to you know make a decision that he's going to play they had all the facts and then now a month later for it to come out and him to get crucified and for, for everyone to act like we didn't know anything like this wasn't, you know, this wasn't something that wasn't thought about very intently. And I, so I think it's been interesting to see Alabama and, and the students kind of support for Brandon Miller and then kind of all of the the hot takes and even some misinformation from the, from media about the situation. And it's just kind of a really awkward situation because it doesn't really seem like anything Brandon Miller does now is looked at in a positive light. Um, if he plays well, it's like, well, he shouldn't be playing. You know, the pregame warm-up stuff shouldn't have happened. But once again, that's just so unfortunate with the situation because it's been going on all year, and I'm not sticking up for it. But I just feel bad because if he really had nothing to do with it, it it's just you never want to see a player have to deal with all this stuff when you feel like th- there's no reason to. Oh, you're, you're definitely right. And that – Nato's talked about that before we, before we started recording today, how we talked about how – he was he of course he didn't know he doesn't pay attention to the players intros during the basketball you know pregame but again he took responsibility to only adults in the room to understand how that could have been taken you know he explained like you know what the original original meaning of the introduction was i think it was like you know being clear for takeoff to get on a plane you know fairly normal stuff but of course being sensitive to what it could be interpreted as you know i think nato said nato and staff said look look we failed to realize that you know, they've addressed it. It won't happen anymore. So I think it's going to be it's going to continue to be a real sore spot for a lot of people going forward. Even after this season's over, you know, Brandon Miller is probably going to head on to the, the NBA, you know, hopefully. But we'll still see how the case unravels. But we're still kind of seeing the immediate effects of it because Brandon Miller had, again, 40 point performance against South Carolina. Great performance against Arkansas, but he didn't get an SEC player of the week. You know, and it's hard to argue that, hey, was it? Was it really because Nick Smith deserved to be SEC Player of the Week? Or was it the conference trying to kind of distance itself, at least temporarily, from what's going on with Brandon Miller in Alabama? So I think it could be a mix of both. Um, first of all, um, Miller averaged 32.5 and seven, uh, 32 and a half points per game and seven rebounds per game. And he had obviously 41 points against uh, South Carolina. 
But um, Nick Smith won freshman of the week where he had 25 points per game and three and a half rebounds per game. He did shoot 64.3%, which is great. But I think Brandon Miller definitely should have gotten it over him. I mean, he beat him in every single category. But yeah, definitely the whole controversy surrounding him. It would be kind of tough for the SEC to give him an award, uh, even though obviously he's innocent and nothing really went wrong with him. But um, the overall player of the week was Oscar Shibway for Kentucky, oh, and he had 23.5 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, and 87% shooting overall, which is 20. He went 20 of 23 in two games like total, and um, his 92.3 uh, field goal percentage against Florida was the fourth highest in a single game in Kentucky history. Um, I definitely think, I mean, that's basically a record, like, Miller, I'm sure, has won multiple player of the weeks and freshmen of the week. And he's probably I think he's a wooden award finalist or somewhere around there. So I understand why Shibuya won player of the week, but freshman of the week definitely should have gone to Miller. However, the controversy surrounding him, I would totally understand why they didn't give it to him. Clay, before we even get to the Alabama Auburn game, uh, our co-worker Austin Hannon, he brought up a kind of a good point off off the air, basically saying how the SEC basically the weekly award could potentially be a precedent for how the SEC could handle it's you know conference awards player of the year um I think I hope that's just a lot to kind of take in when you think about it because even for one Nick Smith who just won it missed a lot of this season so it's not going to be him and it's what there are really no other freshmen really no other players that are playing better than Brandon Miller in terms of the full body of work so I don't know yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do for the overall race. And, and all I'll say to go back to the original point is if I told you that a freshman in college had a 41 point game, hit a game tying shot to send the game to overtime and then hit a pretty much buzzer beating shot to win the game. And he didn't win SEC freshman or player of the week. I mean, that's that's pretty ridiculous just from an on the court perspective. But to me, that gives credence to the fact that these awards are so subjective and, and in reality, they don't. They don't mean anything. They're picked by humans. Um, and obviously the off the court stuff had a lot to do with it. Now, like you said, going forward to me, there's not really, I, I don't know who else you would even put up there with Brandon Miller, because like you said, a lot of people have missed time. She weighs already won. To me, Miller had a much better season than he did. So it's, it I, I mean, I'm not surprised with all the off the court stuff that if they, they try to look for somebody else, but I think there is going to be a pretty big uproar if he doesn't win player of the year, because just from an on the court perspective, I mean, you have no, no question. To give it to him. No question. No, you're, you're definitely right. Like it, it'll be hard pressed. You know, it's one of those things you're going to look back on five, 10, 15 years from now, like basically kind of similar to Allen Iverson. If for those who remember when Allen Iverson was coming out of high school, you know, from high school to college, you know, he had he had some legal troubles that eventually got all his offers rescinded. He eventually went to Georgetown, still had a fantastic career. But, you know, that legal trouble, what, you know, what it was affected him. And now Brandon Miller's in a different case because instead of high school to college, it's college to NBA. But it still could have the same ramifications. And we're hearing from scouts or people are talking about from scouts that it's not affecting his draft stock. So we'll we'll continue to see. But I think it will be an interesting point if the SEC decides to go against giving Brandon Miller the award, I think it will be hard to argue it's for any other reason other than to distance itself. And then history's going to look back in terms of, well, Brandon Miller, you know, first collegiate player drafted in the 2023 draft. How in the world did he not win his conference player of the year? And then the dig is going to start and it's going to basically circle all the way back over again. So that's going to be off the court. But on the court, Alabama has the prime opportunity in front of them. Auburn 
and Coma Coliseum, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, ESPN2 for all the marbles. Hunter, just 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 go to go with the scene. Like you get a chance to beat your conference rival for the regular season championship. Does it does it get any better than that? Yeah, no, I mean it really doesn't. Like we we definitely need an SEC championship once again after the last year. Um it wasn't as great. And obviously the year before it was awesome. Um but um I think really the main mission for Auburn to potentially make that not happen is the same mission of the first 29 games that Alabama has had this season to stop Brandon Miller. And they did do that. They did that last um, time they played. Miller finished with 13 points and 5 of 12 shooting, including 0 for 7 from the three-point range. But Alabama still won by 8. Um, Johnny Broom and Jalen Williams for Auburn, their rebounders and their defenders. Um, it's really their job to limit him once again, but then you got to worry about guys like Sears and Griff and Riley and Ryland Griffin, who had 16 points against Auburn last time. So if they could find a way to not only stop Miller, but those two guys as well, in addition to Betty Ako and Bradley and everyone else, then there's a shot that they could pull off the upset. But obviously the main goal, of course, for Alabama to win and claim the SEC title and finish as a number one overall seed, not only for the SEC tournament, but for March Madness as well. Clay, I'm, I'm, Clay I'll go straight to you, man. Like, What do you think about the, the match between Alabama versus Auburn, the Iron Bowl of basketball? Colin Coliseum is going to just be rocking. It's going to be freaking packed out. I mean, it really is unfortunate that we have had some of this off-the-court stuff to worry about because the fact that Alabama is getting a chance to – beat Auburn in basketball to clinch the SEC championship. It's just such a great culmination of this season, especially because Auburn after last year was kind of claiming we're the basketball school of the state and, and all, you know, all that. And then now we have a chance to sweep them and win the regular season championship. It's a huge game. And, and I do think there's no excuse for Alabama not to win, right? I mean, it's your last home game. It, you're 25 and four. You're the number two team ranked in the country. It's probably Brandon Miller's last home game, along with all the other seniors. And you have a chance to clinch the SEC regular season championship. And more importantly, if they don't win, then that means they have to go beat Texas A&M on the road. So everything is in this game for the regular season. And and then you know we can worry about the SEC tournament later and and A&M. But to me, this is just a perfect culmination of what Alabama has done this year. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them hopefully get it done. Uh, against Auburn Wednesday night. And it's enough said. There's nothing really, there's nothing much I can add to that. I'll just leave. I'll answer the question, but I'll also pose this question to you guys. You could give me one player or players that needs to play well for Alabama to clinch the SEC regular season title against Auburn. Who is that player? Who are those players? I'm going to go with Jaden Bradley. Um, I think he's the main facilitator on this team because if Brandon Miller is held in check, then he's got to find other people like um, Sears and Griffin to really move the ball around. Yeah, I'm of the same belief as Hunter is. I don't know if it's it's Sears, Bradley, Griffin. We have to find a second guard in a game. It seems like we can never get two guards going at the same time. Like last game, it was Javon Quinterly. The game before that, he was terrible, and it was you know Mark Sears. If we can get two guards that can get the game going along with Brandon Miller, we're really hard to beat. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Jaden Bradley is going to be the one for me, mainly because of his defensive presence. Wendell Green Jr. is kind of what makes that team go, especially from the perimeter. So it's going to be Jaden Bradley's matchup to really contain him. Wendell Green may still have a good game, and that's fine. But a good game is like 15 points or 17 points for Wendell Green. A game where the defense doesn't show up, it's probably 20, 25 and up. 
if, if Jaden Brown can really contain Wendell Green to, you know, a minimum scoring day or even just a decent scoring day, I think it's going to be a really big thing for for Alabama moving forward to really defeat Auburn and clinch this regular season title on their home floor. That's what they want to do. And they have a chance to do that Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, ESPN2. Will you guys be in the building for that or will you guys be – you guys be at a friend's house just watching it from the from from the crib. I'll be at the game, hundred percent. I'm going to the game, hundred <laughs> percent. Unfortunately, I have some uh, things I have to do, and by the time I could get to the game, I, there's no way I could. Oh, boo, boo! Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's fine, but nev- nevertheless, Bammer Central will have you covered with basketball coverage, NFL combine coverage, and more. So stay tuned for that. And with Clay Miller, Hunter the Cyber. I am Mason Smith, and the tide keeps on rolling.